I asked Doug, you know, since you got the number one pick, do you spend more of your 30 visits on, you know, pick 33, pick 65? He said no. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shadrick. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome into the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. It's Monday, April 4th. J.P. Shadrick, Ashlyn Sullivan, Brian Sexton, John Osier. We are one week away from the start of the offseason program for the Jaguars. And there are a few teams that have started today. Teams that changed coaches after the 2021 regular season are eligible to start today. Doug Peterson, I guess, decided to slide it back a week. But uh, here we go. We're a week away from actual players in the building. Yep, players in the building, weights being lifted, <laughs> treadmills being used. Well, and I was at a dinner with Doug last week, and he was talking about the other thing that he gets, and he hasn't scheduled it, or maybe he scheduled it, he hasn't told us what the schedule is, is new coaches get an extra mini camp on the front end, mm-hmm. an extra veteran mini camp uh, for the opportunity to uh, install. So we'll see how quickly he jumps into that. He, it doesn't sound like he's in a hurry to start the program, but last week it sounded like he was. He was excited to he gets get these guys it. here. The mini camp, yes, fine. He gets that necessarily getting guys in a week early is not as big a deal as people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any way I can get him to cancel OTAs? Is that <laughs> you've been well, trying that since I've been here already? Yeah. Because of last, no, actually, they're not. Well, they're not. They're back. No, now. they get them back because uh, new coach all sins forgiven on that front. Ah. So they get them back. Which How about that? Uh, it was a soul crushing moment for me when I found that out. <laughs> they're not coming back on John Osher's schedule. <laughs> but yeah, whoa, whoa, mini camp. You know, so uh, but I from talking to him. He gets what's important about the offseason and what's not. It's not necessarily important to stockpile every day possible. Mm-hmm. It's important to get the work done that you need to get done. Well, he also, you know, in talking to him, and he, and he spoke to the alumni that we were with about their offseason programs and, and how they worked in Philadelphia, and he has a lot of confidence in what they were able to achieve up there, and it sounds like he's just rolling out the exact same plan. Yeah, and talking with guys in the building, it's been very refreshing from what happened last year because Doug Peterson really doesn't believe in working on weekends in the offseason. It's an incredible balance of work life in the offseason for them right now where he doesn't believe in being here till 11 o'clock at night in the offseason. Yeah. feels like it's unnecessary. And that just speaks to the – It is unnecessary. Been there, done that, don't need to be here for 13 hours in March. I don't think I can state it enough. He is a regular guy. Uh, he doesn't put on airs. He, you know, he understands his responsibilities as the head coach. But I, in watching the way that he was talking with the alums that we were with, uh, I was really impressed with just his down-to-earth nature. Yeah, you've mentioned this. What was this event? Was I was. Uh, I'm doing some work with the alumni these days and helping oh. you know organize. So we had a dinner for you know some of the leaders of the alumni in in the marketplace. That's and cool. he just to give you a sense, he asked to come. Yeah, he heard about it. He wanted to come. Um, and, and he didn't speak for a long time, and he had uh, rookies coming in, you know, there were 30 rookie visits. Um, he was very candid with them about, you know, who he is and what he wants to do and why he does things and, you know, what he'd like the alumni to do. Um, they just uh, obviously been around every coach that's ever been here. Um, as down-to-earth and normal a person one-on-one as we've ever had here. It was really refreshing, and he really lit up a lot of those guys. I mean, he got, he, they were excited about him. This is the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. And, of course, when the players do get in here, as we mentioned, it's the weightlifting, it's everything, not nothing on the field. 
But getting in those meeting rooms for the first time and actually installing what this thing's going to look like, John, that's that's step number one. They've been working on it off to the side, but can actually get your um, your message in front of the players for the first time. Yeah, I think that obviously we've been through these storylines a lot, and that's a huge storyline that we're going to see in, once we get on the field, which is a key for us getting on the field, um, in May and June, exactly what does this offense look like with Trevor Lawrence in it? Um, exactly what does this defensive scheme look like? Uh, but, yeah, once they get here, that's the key. It's, it's the mental reps. And, again, I think that's why Doug knows that you, know, you don't have to get guys in necessarily April 4th on the dot. He's got a plan for rolling these things out, and he knows how long it takes to get this implemented. People overthink the off season way too much in this league. I'm glad he doesn't. <laughs> right. I mean, because it's – constant 24-7 news right. cycle yeah. now these yeah. days. That's changed the whole world, Ashley. Yes, obviously. it has. So I appreciate the balance. I think that's needed, especially from what happened last year and, and being here so often. So I think I think a lot of people have a refreshed feeling. Well, and remember also that you know we're coming out of last year, which was, I, you discuss, decide the right adjective. At times it felt schizophrenic. It was all over the place. That's a good adjective. No one was quite sure who was doing what, where, why, when, what was next. It was It was crazy. So he gets that this organization, and I've said this before, really needs that whole big brother effect. Mm-hmm. Like, put arm around his shoulder and say, I know what this takes. I know how to make this better. Take a breath. Take a breath and <laughs> let's go do this. He's, he's trying not to be schizophrenic. In a moment, uh, we're three weeks away, a little over three weeks to the NFL draft. So what now in that world? More after this. Welcome back to the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. And you won't believe what Daly's Place has in store for you this year. The season kicks off this week with country duo Brothers Osborne. That's this Friday, April 8th. They closed out the Grammys last night and just won a Grammy as well for Best Country Duo and Group Performance for Younger Me. Well, I wish I could see a younger me these days as well. <laughs> uh, rapper Lil Durk on April 19th. Soon to follow Tim McGraw, the Lumineers, Dave Matthews, Bland, uh, Dave Matthews Band, Her, who just won another Grammy last night as well, Keith Urban, and much more. Visit dailiesplace.com. John, you're going to beat a bunch Say of Say you're Big Dirk. I'm Joe. all in for Big Dirk. There he goes. Uh, Lil Dirk. For the, I, I like his dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Big Dirk. He says that once a week, so I just yeah. wanted him to get it in get for in. the podcast. It's my thing. Yeah. Yes. He's got one, and he holds on to it yeah. for dear life. That just That's the one the for the month. That's the heck out of it, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> all right, so we're about three weeks away from the NFL draft now. You know, Bucky Brooks on the Huddle Up pod last week said he felt like it's really kind of down to four guys, Hutchinson or Walker, and then Neal or Iquanu. Pre-draft visits, John, uh, uh, Brian, yeah. you mentioned those are starting now. So that process continues, Ashton, where players are coming in person now. You know, in the older uh, years past, there's been, a, you know, different degrees of accessibility to some of those players, at least in our world, coming through. Not the case this year. Some organizations want to keep it as quiet as they can. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But here we go. There, this process is going right now. It is, and I think when when you mention those four names, and we keep hearing about Hutchinson and, and these pre-draft visits, you can only imagine everything we've heard about him off the field. He will shine in an interview aspect. So it already feels like it's pushing that direction, at least from what you see on the field, that Hutchinson would be a great pick. Then you add in how well he'll do in an interview, and that just seems like a slam dunk to me. I don't know who the, is on the list, um, but I asked Doug. You know, since you got the number one pick. 
Do you spend more of your 30 visits on, you know, pick 33, pick 65? Do, true. do you spend more time down the roster? And he said no. You know, hmm. he, they were going to do their work at the top of the draft also. And, I, John, I think that's probably because it's really close. I mean, there's not one or two guys that are head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, it's all due diligence at this point. I imagine that they know who they're selecting. I mean, when Trent Baalke leaves in the evening, I'm sure he's got a guy in mind. But you want to bring guys in and make sure you've uh, double-checked everything. Uh, you don't want to be on the clock. And the main reason you do all this all this research on four or five guys, what if the guy that you think you really like has something off the field the week before the draft where you say, whoa, we can't take this guy, mm-hmm. which, which happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be ready at all you know, uh, for any scenario. It's easier when you have the number one pick because you know there's no scenario. But the other uh, reason you bring in five, six guys at the top – what if you get a trade offer that you like and you love, say, Aiden Hutchinson, but then you get this trade offer that you love more an hour before the draft? Yeah. And you take it, and then you haven't brought in Evan Neal and Icky Aquan. You know, so you've got to do due diligence on that front. My thing with the 30 uh, visits, don't necessarily get married to just because they brought in a guy they're, gonna, uh, they're going to bring in a visit. Visits and who who this team has talked to at the combine, who they talked to at the Senior Bowl, <laughs> is my long-standing pet peeve. Every team talks to every player at some point, so the whole you know, hey, the Jaguars talked to this guy at the combine. Doesn't matter. What does matter is the guys that they bring in. There's probably ten of these thirty they bring in that will be lower in the draft guys. Uh, the sixth round, the seventh round, that does give you a hint of who well, they like. And often those guys will show up here as uh, collegiate free agents as sixth and seventh round picks. So let me so give you four sixth round picks. Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and let me give you a name. The reason why I asked the question last week was um, back when we had access and these guys came in and we would do various interviews with them. That's crazy to think that was a thing. Yeah, that was the year, oh. that was the, year of the quarterback. <laughs> so that was Manziel and Bortles yep. and uh, Carr and all those guys. That's when it, were when here. it started. But I remember 2016 sitting down you know, with this kid from Maryland named Yannick Ngakwe. And I, I didn't know much about him, right? I mean, who did? He played at Maryland. It wasn't yeah. like he played at Florida State or Alabama or one of these big schools that's on TV every week. So when the Jaguars got on the clock, right, they brought him in so I knew they liked him. Yeah. They got on the clock, and they got to that third-round pick, and somebody you know, from the sponsorship texted me, go, who do you think it's going to be? And I said, well, Unique Ngakwe. Boom. It's Unique Ngakwe. So there are guys that they are looking at. And I may mean, go back to Seth Payne, fourth-round pick in 1997, who was in here with Tony Gonzalez, the tight end from Cal. I mean, So they do dig deep on mm-hmm. some of these guys. And if we knew the list, we could probably kind of figure out, as, the, as it narrows on draft day, where they're headed on this thing. Seth Payne's still doing radio, right? And in Houston. In Houston. Yeah. He's yeah, good but he on the radio. In, really good on the radio. Yeah, he came in from, than us. from <laughs> Cornell. <laughs> Here's this big defensive tackle from Cornell who's walking the hallways. And I mean, at that time, he was huge. He filled this whole hallway out. And, Who is this guy? You know? Right. And they drafted him in the fourth round, and he, you know, he ended up being a good football player. So. And may have been as good. I mean, we're off topic a little bit. But may have been as as good a uh, 
I don't know what it was back then, but this would be a second-day pick now, fourth round. Mm-hmm. It was Maybe a second-day pick then. as a, a, a second-day pick in franchise history. Oh, you know, the funny thing was they drafted Ronaldo Wynn with the first pick that year, mm-hmm. the defensive tackle, defensive lineman. He was always going back and forth between end and tackle. From Notre Dame and, and Seth Payne, and both of them ended up starting the second half of the season because of injuries and playing really well until Denver ran over the Jags in the playoff game with Terrell Davis. Um, so you just don't know. Who's going to pop up and be part of this thing? Mm-hmm. You never know. That's why you bring them all in, Schlein. Absolutely. Maybe Better you do your work. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Better do your work. You know that. Somebody else will do it for you. Exactly. And that's not what you want. Uh, coming up this week, uh, we're going to catch up with Cole Kublik of SEC Network. Uh, there are plenty of SEC prospects that have been linked to the Jaguars, even at number one overall. We'll get mm-hmm. his thoughts on some of those guys and – there are many, of course, throughout the different layers of the draft. We'll have the Wednesday Huddle Up podcast as well. Jaguars Happy Hour, possible special guests on Thursday afternoon. More on that later this week. And then, of course, we can review Friday. Uh, drive time tomorrow morning. What you got, Schlin? We have Cedric Scott, who is now leading the strength and conditioning program. Very good for him. Has been here a long time and has definitely planted roots. And I think looking at social media, you see just the outpour from the players supporting yeah. him getting this position, which that's when you know is when these players know him so well and you can see how truly happy they are he's that he's leading. He's a great leading. dude. Yes. And he, is. He, he really he has bid his time behind Tom Islinski all mm-hmm. these years and, and learned from him. Um, it may seem, yeah, strength coach, everyone's got one. He's a really good one. Well, and nobody knows players. I'm, I'm talking position coaches, head coach, coordinators. Nobody knows players like the strength guy. Yeah. Because that's where you can't fake it. Mm-hmm. When you go in there, I mean, uh, when I was with the Colts, I used to walk back and I knew the strength guy very well. And I would say, tell me who can play, who can't, yep. who cares about this, who who doesn't, who's going to make it. And he was generally 95% right. Well, and they Tom, my, know who's going to be the real guy. Yeah. My Slinsky was always that way. Uh, and then last year, the other guy comes in. So, you know, Sed's a guy that you can stand and talk to. Yeah. He is. He's a really good guy. And it makes sense because he's the one seeing right now, for example, who's in here in March, who's here every day, and what time are they here. Southern Miss. makes all the sense in the world. And players need to respect him, and they do respect him. Yeah. Yeah, Southern Miss Hall of Fame already. And it was a fourth-round pick back in 2001, and I had a little time in NFL Europe as well, but uh, here for about a decade or so, and congratulations to him. That's coming up tomorrow, 10 o'clock on Jaguars.com. Brian, are you nervous for tonight? Kansas... North Carolina. No, this is our year. It's yeah. like 1988 all over again. Uh, 98, some of the, the, the really good teams like Pittsburgh with Charles Smith. Remember Jerome Lane who shattered the backboard during the tournament? And uh, Will Purdue was a starting center for Vandy year that was year. This? this was 88. How old would have you? been seven. So you wouldn't remember that. That Six. was my freshman year at Kansas. And, and these teams, it was Danny Manning and the Miracles that year because it was just Danny Manning. And they were an eighth seed and they won it all. In Kansas City, playing an eighth seed tonight, bro. Yeah, yeah get ready. I know. No, I, Charlie, and and you got um, you, instead of Danny in the Miracles, it could be uh, Manic Brady Manic in the Miracles uh, because they were a um, they were a bubble team six weeks ago, and now here they are, one of the hottest teams out there. Really excited, um, but I do believe that this is our year. I thought you were supposed to be going to this game. What happened <sighs> when Coach K got into this? Yep, um, and it was his last dance. Uh, tickets in the upper deck at the Superdome oh, no. were going for $1,200. I, have you been to a Final Four at the Superdome? No. I have. And the upper deck is a terrible place to be. <laughs> it's tough for football. Yeah. yeah it, I wasn't about to do that. And um, so it was, it's Coach K's fault. 
Yes. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Coach K. Yeah, I know thanks you're a listening. Lot. I haven't watched a game, a college basketball game in forever. I watched that Duke Carolina game the other night. Awesome. It was a great game. That was about as good a sports theater as you're ever going to see. Yep. Can I give it you just incredible. one little bit of perspective? Um, so the first coach at Kansas is a guy named James A. Smith. So we've got a little tradition. Yeah. Invented basketball. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but what people might not know is that Dean Smith, who built the great Carolina tradition, took it to another level, played for Fog Allen at Kansas. And then Roy Williams, who was with Dean Smith, went and coached at Kansas. So there's a lot of ties between Carolina and Kansas. So it'll be fun. Roy Williams has been getting a lot of screen time in the Final Four and yeah. in the tournament. Yeah. And he certainly will tonight. And Good he man. Won three for UNC. Yes. Yeah. Nada. Yeah. Yeah, he lost two championship games in Kansas. So Good stat, John. Uh, it has no relevance tonight, but yeah. I'm not sure the game is as much of a lock as Brian thinks. It is uh it's also Masters Week. Tiger Watch is underway mm-hmm. and he has up until tea time Thursday to figure out if he wants to play or not. There's no rules. Augusta National has their own deal, so there'll be a lot of eyeballs watching that this week as well. Uh that'll do it for Jaguars Reporters. We'll look forward to the programming on Jaguars.com, Jaguars Radio. Uh, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the places, Schlin. It's all over the place. Yep, free website. It is free. That's Ashlyn <laughs> Sullivan. That's John Osier. And for Brian Sexton and Joe Fortunato, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Jaguars Reporters Podcast.